Well, good morning. It's good to have uh, all of you here. It is good to have uh, all of you who are uh, joining us online here. And uh, before I uh, jump into my sermon here, there's just uh, one thing that um, I just think would be super appropriate for me to just, that I want to talk about or address just for a second here. Um, and I'm going to introduce it with what I think might become my favorite commercial of the year. Um, it is a, I know that's a weird way to start off, but it, maybe you've seen this commercial. It's for, uh, I think, Match.com. And um, it is, and, and again, no theological statements here. No, just at surface level, right? Um, Satan wants to get a date. And so he goes to Match.com, right? And uh, he gets a match. And so he shows up under a bridge or something for his date. And this girl shows up and Satan goes, 2020, and she goes, you can just call me 2020, right? And I'm like, yes, yes. If there's any year that is a match with Satan, it's 2020, right? Well, yes, that's right. And again, right? No theological statement there. Just, uh, um, I heard that Ryan Reynolds was the one that designed it. And like, even Ryan Reynolds, right? Thinks that like this, like there's a lot to look at this year and go, it's a lousy year. There have been better years, right? Um, I, I share that because um, there's this thing with all of us, like all the things that have happened in this year. It is so easy to just think, man, if we just can get through 2020, like, it's like everything's good, right? Just get through to it. And I want to get through 2020, right? I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Um, but you know, on a serious note, one of the things that I think about for us as a church, and even churches in general here, is that uh, one of the convictions I've had in this going way back, like all the way back to March, is that the bigger challenge for us won't just be getting through 2020 and all the crazy changes we've had to go through and the protocols and all, and all of those things. Um, it's a challenge and it's something to get through. But I think the thing that churches are going to face that is going to be the bigger challenge is how to be the church on the other side of all of this. That the world is changing in ways we do not understand. And the, the new normal is going to be something we don't understand. And that, that it is important that we think about and make plans for and be preparing and praying for how we get to be, how we can be the church uh, that God is calling us to be on the other side of it. I think that is the bigger challenge in all of this. Um, even so much as I've been working with uh, the pastor team uh, in leadership, and we've been talking about this making plans for this uh, coming year, because uh, that is where the bigger challenge is going to be uh, in all of this. I don't want us to be a church that just says we're a religious institution and our, uh, and, and our prime mission is just to make sure we exist after all of this is over, right? Jesus did, didn't come and was not born into this world just so religious institutions could continue to exist. And the world needs more than that. You know, uh, for us, one of those things that is so important is that we are a part of leading people into the ever-present relevance of what it means to have faith in Jesus Christ. And secondly, it is to love people uh, in a caring, 
tangible way that is an expression of Christ's love for them and how we learn to love one another and love others uh, in the larger community does so much for people to understand the love that God has for them. And carrying that out in this coming year, when we get on the other side of, of all things COVID, that I really do believe is going to hold a, a more difficult but also more exciting challenge before us. So as I've been uh, working uh, with the pastor team, uh, the leaders of this church, we've been making plans and, and there's still a lot to do in this, but we've been working on that. And there are two things that I wanna ask all of you uh, that would think of Casas as your church home to do. And the first one is this, uh, be praying for the leaders and for the pastor team that are working on some of this and be praying for our church that we can and will be um, potent in our mission as we seek to, to walk those things out that are so important as we get on the other side of, of COVID. And the other one is to be able to carry out those plans means that as a community, we have to find a way to resource those. And so I'm asking all of us, starting with me, starting with Angie and myself, is that we would give a year-in gift uh, this year that helps set us up for the things that we are working on in the challenges and the excitement to come in the, uh, the coming year. And so be praying about that, what, and, and that's between you and God, what, what you would do to help your, to be a part of your community in a financial way to set up those plans. And, uh, and, and we'll have people in ways uh, that, on how to give that, but I just wanted you to hear from me on the importance and the value as we move forward as a church and why that is so important. And you know, and I think about uh, the, this year and how it can just feel like, um, uh, there's not hardly room to breathe uh, in this. And how do we get through all of this? And so, um, is, is, and I'm going to switch gears here into my sermon, is I start this sermon. I want you to know we, we put together a short sermon going into Christmas here uh, that is just about making room because I, I think there's something there that we all need uh, having gone through this year and still you know, more to come to overcome this. And so in this series, Making Room, and, and I want you to think about this. And, and I want to open with a story here for this morning as we think about this idea of making room. Uh, our family went on a vacation uh, to Washington, D.C. Uh, several years ago, and it was that last family vacation when our kids were still living in the house before they went off to college and stuff. And so it's kind of, you know, wanted it to be really special. And we went to Washington, D.C. I got to see a, 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 a lot of wonderful things. Uh, it, with every family vacation, you know, it had its ups and downs. We went to one museum and I uh, went in and kind of rounded the corner. There's like a line and rounded the corner to go into it. And they had like a metal detector. I walked through the metal detector and I set it off and I'm like, well, it is. And I had this little pocket knife because I'm from Arizona and I'm Glenn and I just, it's 
what I do, I suppose. And the guy goes, yeah, you can't take that in there. And I'm like, oh, like, but it's a little one. And he goes, yeah, but it's a pocket knife and you can't take it in there. I'm like, okay, right? Um, he goes, you know, you can take it out back to your car or whatever. And I'm like, this is what, you know, you Uber everywhere. And I'm like, I can't like, the, I, and he goes, or I can take it for you and hold on to it for you permanently, you know? <laughs> and I'm like, it's kind of my only choice. So I give him my pocket knife that he's going to take. And I remember he walked over to a drawer. There's like a little cabinet in there. Opens up this and there's like, it's filled with pocket knives. There's like 20 or 30 pocket knives. It throws it in and I'm like, it's a racket. There you go. You know, there's just, just, you know, it's just like one of those low ones. Then later we went to uh, this art gallery and both of my kids uh, are artists. Uh, they, they like, they appreciate art. They do a lot of artwork and they understand it, understand it deeper than I do. And so there was this particular art gallery that was a home uh, not far from the White House. And it's a historic home. And years and years ago, it was... Uh, going to be demolished uh, to build some uh, large buildings of whatever it was. And it was Jacqueline Kennedy who actually saved this house because it was this historical house. And she's one that uh, uh, pulled in private funding and turned it into this um, exquisite uh, art gallery. And so my kids wanted to go there. So we went there and it was uh, later in the afternoon. I remember going through this art gallery um, and several floors up and I, you know, and I'm kind of breezing through this thing and just going through and I get near the top, near the end, because you start at the bottom, work yourself way up. And I'm looking down this beautiful, like open staircase. It's all this old, old wood and it's beautiful. And I look down and there's Chandler way down on like the first or second floor or something like that. And he looked up kind of at the same time and he's like, dad? And I'm like, yeah. And I wave to him and he goes, you're all the way up there? And I go, yeah. And he's like, did you go through the whole thing? And I'm like, yeah, I just, you know, kind of, I took everything. And he's asking, did you go in this room? Did you? And I'm like, yeah, I just, and he goes, how did, like, how did you do that? Like, 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 how did you go through all of this and take this all in or whatever? And he asked me about, you know, did you go in this room? I said, well, yeah, I went to that room. That was that big room where they just, like, they hung all the art on the ceiling or whatever. And he goes, well, yeah, but that's not the point, right? Like, there was something deeper. In, and he started asking me all these questions. All of a sudden, I realized, like, like, he, like, he's taking in way more on all of this than I was. And, it, and as he asked me these questions, it was like, like, I saw that. Like, I don't know that I experienced it, right? And, and part of it was because, if I'm really honest, it's like, my heart and my mind were filled with other things. And I was just kind of breezing through the art gallery. Um, and, and, you know, it, it's, it's, and it was little things. Like, you've experienced this. You ever been in some place and there's something else that maybe you were going to focus on, but like your blood sugar was low. Like it was late in the afternoon. We didn't have a big lunch. And I was maybe thinking more about like where we were going to have dinner than I was taking in a piece of wonderful artwork in that moment and thinking about the different restaurants because I was kind of hungry at that moment. Or, you know, there were other places that we were uh, trying to go to or do uh, on this trip. Like I was thinking about the Air and Space Museum or they have this um, thing. I was trying, we didn't get to do it, but I was trying to figure out how to do this where they have like the uh, kayaks or the skulls that you can actually um, row in the Potomac River. And I was like, oh, that would be cool. And I was kind of thinking about that. I wonder if I can figure that thing out. And if I'm really honest, I was still a little perturbed about the pocket knife thing that happened a few days earlier. And it's just, it's like, 
My mind was filled with cares and concerns about like things that had happened and just in that moment and, and, and things that I you know, was, would want to do or squeeze in uh, in the future. And, and without realizing it, it's like my mind and heart just got filled up with all of those other things. And I end up walking through truly an exquisite art gallery and just had no room in my heart and mind to really take in much at all. And so I just kind of circled around in this thing. And I share that story because, right, that, that was Glenn in an art gallery. But I wonder if in a similar way, that's you or me in life, right? There's this thing that can happen. We, we can begin getting caught up in, in frustrations of something that happened. And right, you ever had something frustrating and it just kind of lingers with you and you keep feeling it and thinking about it? Or maybe there's just a moment and it's as simple as low blood sugar or, uh, or maybe it's as complicated as a medical issue going on and it just comes to dominate. Or there's something that's going to happen in the future and you've got cares or worries about it and it just, it dominates your mind and you go through the day or the week and it's like you're just, you're going through life but you don't have any room for maybe some exquisite things that God is doing in and in front of you in your life in that moment. I think about that in a year like this, it is so easy to just not have room in your heart or your mind because, and, and it's not the end of the world that it happens and, it, and you're not a bad person because it happens. It just, it can happen and we can end up missing things. And so here, here's my challenge for this morning with this message, uh, opening up this series. And it's this, don't let your life become like an art gallery that you just breeze through trying to get to the next thing because your heart and mind don't have any room. And what I want to do is I want to look at a story. It's not the Christmas story per se, but, but it happens right up against the, the Christmas uh, story. It's found in the Gospel of Luke. If you have your Bibles, turn to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 2, where the Christmas story takes place. And this happens um, 12 years after that very first Christmas, when Jesus is still uh, just a boy. And, and the reason I want to go to this story is because it, it does have some things to say about what can happen when our mind and our heart get filled up with these things just because of life. And they can begin to add up in a way that keep us from some of those things that we all actually want to have from God that go into our heart and our minds. And I want that for you especially, and I really mean this, is the pastor of this church, I, knowing the year that we're in and knowing how Christmas seasons all by themselves can become so busy and just fill our hearts and minds with all of the stuff that can keep us from the beauty and the wonder and what is exquisite from really being experienced. And I do. I want you to experience what God is doing in and around your life. So let's unpack this uh, story just a little bit here. If I can get my glasses out of my mic cord. Okay, 
Um, Luke chapter two, and we're gonna begin in verse 41. Look at verse 41, it says this. Uh, Speaking of Mary and Joseph here, it says, every year his parents went to Jerusalem for the feast of the Passover. When he was 12 years old, they went up to the feast according to the custom. After the feast was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but they were unaware of it. Thinking he was in their company, they traveled on for a day, for a day, right? They're going back up to Galilee. Um, uh, Then they began looking for him among their relatives and friends. When they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem uh, to look for him. Verse 46, um, after three days, right? They've, they've lost Jesus for three days now. After three days, they found him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. Um, so just like a, a, just, you know, like a small side note here um, for those of you who are maybe uh, parents and like, I don't know, like as parents... We've all lost or misplaced our kids at one point or another, right? Like there's, yes, I see all the heads, right? Angie and I have done this. Like we did this one time in the mall. We had, I forgot, I don't know if it was Chandler or Coley, but we had them in the stroller. And we each thought the other one, we had the stroller kind of between us. And we each thought the other one grabbed the stroller and we're walking along. So we're just walking along down the mall and we're looking in there and we look down and we're like, it's like they look back and our kid was like, you know, around the corner, like, but we only lost our kid for like, not even a minute, right? Now, we've lost him other times a little longer, but hey, if you haven't misplaced your kid for, say, more than three days, you're doing better than Mary and Joseph, for crying out loud, right? Yeah. Yes, you can applaud that. Yeah. There's a, there, there's, yeah, right? And what I love about this story, like, this is just like real life, and we can all, we all get this at some level. And even if you're not a parent, you probably had parents that misplaced you at one point, right? And you know what that is like. Maybe it filled you with fear trying to find mom and dad, or maybe you were like, this is kind of nice, right? And, you know, maybe you were disappointed when they found you. I don't know. Um, But there's something about real life in this story. Uh, It goes on. Look at verse uh, uh, 47. Here it says, everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. So Jesus is back uh, as a 12-year-old asking all these questions. And it says everyone was like just amazed. Well, almost everyone, right? Because there's two people in this story that probably aren't really amazed. Like Luke's kind of left them out when he says everyone. And who would that be? Mary and Joseph. Yeah. Uh, In fact, look at the next verse, verse 48. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. Now, pause there for a second. Because we think of astonished as like that. Wow, that's like wonderful and amazing. So the Greek word uh, used here and the way it is used, um, it's more, in fact, you could, you could literally translate uh, this word thrown off course, right? This is astonished like, oh no, that's what this is. Like this is, this is the surprise, but not the good surprise. This is, right? this is not the surprise of like, wow, I won the lottery. This is like, wow, 
That electric bill is huge kind of a thing, right? That's what this is. And, um, and you even, you, you, you pick this up even in, like you read the tone in this. Look at verse 48. Uh, we pick this up from Mary. His mother said to him, son, why have you treated us like this, right? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. And then I love the way Jesus responds. Why were you searching for me, he asked. Did you not know, uh, uh, didn't you know I had to be in my father's uh, house? And, and right, and there's real life. Kid, uh, parents that are aggravated with their kids and kids asking questions that their parents are like, why are you asking that, right? Um, uh, and the thing that you see in this story is this real life thing. But there are two moments in this story that I want you to see that become important, that, that we can applicate to this thing that we all face where, right, something begins to fill our heart and our mind and it, and it becomes that struggle to be able to experience or even see the exquisite thing that maybe God is doing. Let me ask you this question before we go on to these two moments. What, what's the thing that's maybe filling your heart or mind right now? What, what is that thing that you just say, man, if I'm really honest, like this, it, it, like it, it dominates my thoughts and my emotions in a lot of ways. Like it just, and, and it's keeping me from other things because it's just, it's, there's no room in my heart and mind to take in, to appreciate that other thing. What would that be right now? What would that be? Maybe it's something relational. Maybe it's, it's complications from the things that are happening in this year. What is it? Because there's two moments in this story that I think will give all of us some clarity and a way, a way to actually make some space that we all need, that we all need. Um, so let's look at this first moment. This first moment. Um, look at verse 50. This simple verse holds uh, this moment. Verse 50, it says this. Um, speaking of Mary and Joseph. But they did not understand what he, and speaking of Jesus, was saying to them. And I, I just, I find this fascinating because um, for, for a couple of reasons that you see coming out of this. One, they, they understood at some level what, what Jesus was saying. So when Jesus says, um, didn't you know, like, I, I would be in my father's house? Well, like, Mary and Joseph, they understand that it's not like Joseph said, what do you, what do you mean you need to be in your father's house? Like, I'm your father, and we live in Nazareth, and like, you're in Jerusalem. And like, Joseph knew Jesus was talking about God the Father in heaven, right? He understood that. Mary and Joseph had angels at his birth come and explain this to them. Mary and Joseph had to go on the run to Egypt because there was a crazy king that was out to kill uh, Jesus. They understood that their son was the Messiah that was going to grow up and, and, and be this thing that would save the world. Like they they understood that when he said house, that he was talking about the temple, right? They get all of this. And what's interesting is, um, you know, in Greek, there are multiple words, uh, Greek words that we could translate into the English word understand, but they all carry a different nuance. And the particular word that Luke uses here carries this nuance of understanding something, but more than just understanding, it's like to really grasp it, to, 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 to really grasp it. Um, uh, 
For instance, let me give you a way to just illustrate this quickly. Ever have someone explain something to you and, you're, and they're explaining it and you're like, uh-huh, uh-huh, because it's like, I understand that word, I understand that word, I understand the sentence you're using. And they get to the end of their explanation, maybe even a short explanation, and you go, and you say to them, okay, I understood every word you said, but I'm not grasping what you mean by it. Ever have that happen where it's like, I, like... And if you just repeat the sentence to me, I'll go, yeah, that's not helping me. Because I understand every word you use. I just, there's something else I'm not grasping. That, that's, that's what Luke's getting at here. It's like they understood every word Jesus said. It's just, they weren't grasping it. Not because they didn't understand Jesus was the Messiah. But think about Mary and Joseph for a moment. They've spent the last three days probably pretty panicked, in a lot of anxiety. Like their heart and mind has been filled with, we just got to find Jesus. We just got to find Jesus. I mean, think, think about their, their prayer life every night, right? This would be no fun, right? So dear God, I know you only gave us one job. One job, that's all. Just take care of Jesus until he's on his own. Well, we kind of lost him. Right? I know that was our one thing, but we, like, uh, we need help finding him. Right? Like, this is, think of the embarrassment. What Mary explains here when she says, why did you treat us this way? She, right, understand that the meaning behind that is like there's, like, there's a sense of shame we had. We, like, we lost our kid, and none of our friends have lost their kid for more than like a day, right? And we're on day three. This is like, this, and all of this would be occupying their mind. They see, they find Jesus finally. And he's like, well, you know, didn't you know I had to be about my father's business? And just, it's like, they're not, there's something amazing that's happened in this moment. Jesus is in the temple as a 12-year-old. And there's something already being revealed about his identity, about his understanding, about his grasp of spiritual things. It's, uh, it, it's an amazing moment. But can we blame Mary and Joseph for missing that in that moment and just like having that, right? That, oh, oh I'm so glad you're, they just, it's their minds filled with all of that. And what I, what I love about this, not for them, I feel for them because we've all been in that, is that there's a part of life where that happens. And, and here's the truth that we get out of this, right? You can be present and still miss what God is up to in the moment. That's all that's happened here. God's up to something pretty amazing and intentional with having Jesus as a 12-year-old in that temple doing what he's doing in that moment. And it just gets missed. I mean, Mary and Joseph, they are there, but it gets missed on them. And you know what? Sometimes it happens to you and me. Ever experienced that? A moment where, where maybe you look back and you go, I, yeah, I know God was doing something amazing there. And I just, there was so much going on in my heart and my mind. I just couldn't grasp it. But here's what I want you to know. I, and I really mean this. I really mean this. I want you to know that even in those moments where maybe your heart and mind is so filled with other concerns or things going on, even if you're not aware of it, 
God is still painting and sculpting exquisite things in and around your life, even in this season. And what you and I can step toward is, how do I make room for that to occur? And it's not the end of the world when it happens, because it's going to happen to all of us. It's just, it begins to add up over time. So there's another real important insight that needs to go with this insight, that that you can be present and still miss what God is doing, because that happens. Um, And we see this uh, with Mary. In fact, look back at the text, look at verse uh, 51, and, and we see how this unfolds. Uh, here. Here's how this story ends. Verse 51. Um, then he went down to Nazareth and, uh, with them and was obedient to them. But his mother treasured all of these things in her heart. And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and favor with God and man. Uh, and there's a lot packed into that, uh, those uh, few verses there. I want to just point out one thing, and it's, what, and it's about Mary, right? And it's this idea that she treasures up all of these things in her heart. And here's what's so good about this story. This is where the Bible gets real, right? And I love this. Mary, at the same time, is not grasping, not understanding something about all of this that's happening, like it's lost on her, right? Okay, Bible tells us that. And then next verse also tells us, but she found a way to treasure these things up in her heart. Like they get juxtaposed. It's not one or the other. It's like somehow she finds a way, even when she doesn't fully understand it, to treasure it up. And real simply, when you think about like this idea of treasuring up, we think about like she pondered it, she thought about it, she remembered it. Yes, all of those things. But to treasure something is to value it right? So even when she didn't fully grasp it, it's like she opened her heart and mind to saying, okay, even though I don't get everything there and I was so frustrated and I was so worried about my son and I didn't know, I still know that there's something really valuable that God was doing by having Jesus at that temple for three days. Something was happening as he was interacting and doing, like something was going on there. And even if you don't grasp everything that God is doing in your life, you can find a way to value it, to to trust that God is up to something good in your life, even when you can't grasp it. And, And to begin opening your heart to it, right? And to just know that becomes super important. Um, So I'm standing at the top of that staircase and Chandler's looking up at me, you know, well, did you go in this room? Oh yeah, I went in the room. And I'm getting the picture at this point. I'm like, wow, there's a lot to this thing that I've not really picked up on in this thing. And he asked me about this one room, uh, and maybe I told you about it, like where they put all the war- art on the ceiling. And I was just like, oh, so that was creative. You put the art on the ceiling instead of the walls. Okay, next room. And Chandler was like, no, 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 Dad. It's, it's meant you experience it in a different way. And I'm like, what do you mean? He goes, no, no, you got to try this. So literally, Chandler was just like, come back down here, Dad. And so I did. I actually went back down two or three floors, met him, and went through that art gallery a second time 
and a little slower, um, and with Chandler in a way that started doing some different things that started treasuring up some of these things. So instead of just saying, right, okay, so they put the art on the ceiling instead of the wall, okay. It, like Chandler said, uh, he said, so what happens when you walk in and you have to look up? And he said, think about when you look up. Think about like when we worship sometimes and we look up. There's something about the posture of looking up that does something in how you perceive things. And I actually went in there and, and like experienced, I was like, oh, like this actually affected me differently than the first time. And all of a sudden I started gaining like this appreciation and, and going through it again, it was like, Finding room and pushing back a few things and creating some space from all those other cares and concerns and experiencing that art gallery in a different way, all of a sudden, it started to become an exquisite experience for me. And before that, I was just kind of breezing through it. And it's so easy for us to go through life and miss those things. Mary is intentional about treasuring up some things. So friends, even in a year like this, what I want to challenge you to is find a way to treasure up some things, even in the midst of all those things that want to occupy your heart and mind. And it's not that you should feel bad or feel shame about having things that occupy your mind, right? Any parent that feels anxiety because they don't know where their kid is in that moment, we call that healthy. That's okay, right? That's not a bad thing to be concerned about your health, to be concerned about politics, to be concerned about all the things. That's not bad, right? To be a parent and be in a moment where you're just like, oh, I'm frustrated and I'm worn out from being a parent and at the same time juxtaposed, but like us, there's something amazing and magical and beautiful about being a parent. Yeah, that's okay. Like, and this, what this story is saying is life can have both of those things without saying that you're bad because, you, because those things want to occupy your mind. It's not that. It's just create some space to treasure up. So let me end with just some quick thoughts about what you can do in a practical way to just treasure some things up. First thing is this, build in a pause, right? That thing that happens, we can just start going through something because we've got all these cares about things that are happening right now or frustration, aggravations about what's happened in, you know, in the recent past or something we're trying to solve in the future or achieve in the future and we just get it all filled. Learn how to just pause. And if you struggle with pausing and reflecting on something sometimes, learn to ask a few questions like, um, real simple one, what do I see right now? Just pause in a moment in the middle of your day and just say, what do I see right now? Do I see someone around me who maybe is in need? Or maybe you pause and just say, what do I see around me? And you notice, gosh, there was someone who just said a small encouraging word to me. And maybe you just realize in that moment, and I needed that. I've been wrapped up in all of this stuff and God orchestrated some encouragement in my life and I was about ready to miss it and just pausing and asking, what do I see? What do I hear? And all of a sudden I realized there's someone in my life who said something encouraging and maybe that was God seeing you and orchestrating just something encouraging in your life 
And then ask yourself uh, the question, like, and what does that mean to me? I bet that encouragement meant a lot to you in that. So just learn how to pause and ask a few questions. What do you see? What does that mean? Another thing you can do is, uh, when you ask those questions, is allow God to impact you with it. And what I mean by that is just acknowledge that maybe it's from God. Say a prayer. Thank him for it. Ask God, like, is there something more you want to do with this? And see where he leads you in that moment. Because maybe, maybe you're at the top of the staircase and you have flown through something and you've missed a ton of stuff. And what God is saying is, you know, I, I want you to just kind of maybe go back through that one more time a little bit slower. Just this past week, I was at work um, and, uh, and, just, and I was at just a moment between things, right? And it's not like I never don't have the next thing that needs to be done that I can do. And I knew Angie was uh, getting ready to go to an appointment and we hadn't uh, just had much time uh, that morning or the day before. And just like this thought just hit me that like, I could take 30 minutes and just drive with her to that appointment and just have some time with her. And so I just, on a, on a fluke, like a God thing, I just called her up and said, hey, are you, have you left for the appointment? And if you want, like, just swing by the office and I'll hop in the car and just, like, drive with you to that appointment. And it just, and so we did. And we, and we had a great uh, time. And then after the appointment, we were like, let's, let's go have an exquisite, wonderful lunch. And so we drove through Sonic, the drive-through, and got something to eat. And it's just like, and it just became this little gift in the middle of the day. And, and I could have missed that so easily, but just paused and asked some questions. And maybe you can do the same thing. And maybe that little thing adds up to something where all of a sudden you just go, man, you know, God, God cares about me. God's working in my life in this. Uh, last thing, as you make space and as you see what God is doing around, be someone who shares that. Be someone who invites someone closer to that thing. And again, uh, and it's not to try and tell them like, you know, well, you shouldn't be worried about that and you should just ignore that thing that's hard or difficult. Like, like don't discount what maybe their heart and mind is filled with, but maybe invite them into a space that you have found where they can juxtapose those things where maybe they're not grasping everything and yet help them treasure something up in a moment, maybe share that moment with them. Um, a, I was, uh, as you noticed, uh, last week, I wasn't here last week. Uh, I was off last Sunday and I uh, was out hiking with my daughter uh, last Sunday. And uh, near the end of the day, we were hiking back and we were both tired and worn out. We had been out all day long. We were hiking this long ridge uh, back to the truck and kind of tired in one of those moments where it's just like, We've been out too long. Let's just get back to the truck. There's, you know, and as we were do hiking along, uh, we both looked over, and it was the most gorgeous sunset, like one of those Arizona sunsets that was just so gorgeous. And it's just, and I was just like, oh my gosh. And Coley was just like, oh, let's like let's stop 
and take a picture in this moment, right? And so uh, we got out our phones and actually, you know, did the selfie with the two of us just to like, it, and it was just a moment to pause. And even when you're tired and you want to get through this and back, pausing and just, and I've looked at that picture like 20 times this past week because it was just, and it wasn't this massive thing, but it was just that wonderful moment with my daughter on a ridge, seeing God's beautiful work in the sky, but also seeing the beautiful work that God has done in this relationship with my daughter that I treasure. And you know, it's just moments like that, that if we treasure them up, it's like over time, maybe what we didn't grasp, we come to grasp a little bit more and a little bit more. And it's like God just helps us to create more of that beautiful space that he is actually in and working in your life. Friends, even in a year like this, God has not forgotten you. And God is still at work in your life. And we all need to not lose that. And I hope that in the coming weeks, you find that experience more and more and more. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray in a second, but after I pray, we're not done yet because I'm going to have, I'm going to ask Tinsy and Yolanda to come up here because uh, Christmas at Casas is right around the corner and they've got some important information for us, whether you're online or whether you're here uh, right now. So let me pray and then Tinsy and Yolanda um, are, will share a few things and uh, close us out. Let me pray. Father, I just, I thank you for the gift that you give us uh, of just the, the exquisite work that you're always seeking to do in our lives. And may you help us uh, find a way to pause and create space in our hearts and minds to see the beauty of what you're doing in each and every one of us. And we pray this in your son's name. Amen.